Welcome back to my weekly podcast from the bridge. I'm your host, Rick Jones, and we're glad you've chosen to join us today. Today, in honor of Thanksgiving week, we're going to do my annual thankful show. For those that have listened to us in the past, this is modeled off of an, uh, an annual column that the great a Southern sports uh, columnist uh, Furman Bisher wrote every year for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Uh, Furman Bisher was one of my childhood heroes. He was a great writer, um, a wonderful Renaissance man. I'm also going to pay a little tribute to another great writer named Louis Grizzard. Louis Grizzard was a Southern columnist, um, a humorist, uh, wrote about Interesting things, wrote a number of books before he died, way too young of heart disease, but um, Lewis was one of what we call Bisher's boys. Uh, Lewis was a sports columnist under Furman Bisher uh, before he became a weekly uh, or or daily columnist um, uh, in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. There's a great story. Lewis had left Atlanta, and he had gone to be the uh, sports editor of the Chicago Sun-Times, <clears throat> and he, he, he said there were only two seasons in Chicago, winter and the 4th of July, and uh, he said the happiest day of his life was when he went to O'Hare Airport and said, I'd like a ticket to Atlanta, and the lady said, round trip, and he said, no, ma'am, one way, uh, and he came back to Atlanta, so we'll talk a little bit about Lewis today as we go forward. Uh, my guest today is my much better half, my wife, Charlotte, who is the person I am most thankful for. They say behind every successful man is a very surprised mother-in-law, <laughs> and I'm probably no exception to this. Charlotte will talk a little bit about her job at Fishbait and things she is most thankful for. We'll talk a- about showing gratitude from the soapbox and a great place to eat that I'm really thankful for. So let's start the show again in honor and memory of both the great sports writer, Furman Bisher, and the amazing columnist, Louis Grizzard. I am so thankful for college football and the great season we've had. I'm thankful for the big crowds that have been at all these games. I am hopeful that the Georgia Bulldogs will win out and will honor its biggest fan, that being Louis Grizzard, who loved the dogs unlike most anybody else. I'm thankful for a game day built by the Home Depot and all the crew. You know, I, it's almost like I watch that, that they're almost like friends in my life. Um, but interestingly, one of the guys on the show was the great Georgia defensive lineman, David Pollock. David, this year, uh, went into the College Football Hall of Fame which is a great honor. But here's my connection to David Pollock. When I grew up, my best childhood friend was a young guy named Rick Hopkins. And uh, it's funny, when we all got to first grade, there were three Rickies. I was Ricky Jones, he was Ricky Hopkins, and there was Ricky Uber. We were all in Miss Mullins' first grade class, and I'm sorry, Miss Joyner's first grade class, and she had to change our names. So Ricky Hopkins remained Ricky Hopkins. I dropped the Y and became Rick Jones, and Ricky Uber became Richard Uber, and that was the way we were for the rest of our life. But Rick Hopkins was my very best friend growing up, and he is David Pollock's father-in-law. His daughter is married to David, and um, I've been able to become reconnected 
to Rick Hopkins um, through Facebook. You know, there's a lot of things I don't like about Facebook, but what I really do like about it is you can reconnect with people from your past and find out what they're going to do. And it's great to see a lot of pictures uh, of his family. And so I'm thankful for Facebook and for the reconnection with old friends. I'm thankful for our ESPN events tailgate tour and our team at Fishbait who pull it off week after week. This team is led by Paul Ogletree and Trey Birch. Trey drives the truck each week, and our entire staff works on the tour on a rotating basis. We also have unique brand ambassadors, young people that are sports management or marketing majors or hospitality majors at universities who work for us, and I'm very thankful for them. I'm also thankful for the schools that we work with and the personnel there that greets us each week and makes our lives a lot easier. I'm thankful for our sponsors, ESPN, Dollar General, Anheuser-Busch, Ticket Smarter, RoofClaim.com, Jewelry Television, the Beef Council of the famed Beef It's What's for Dinner campaign. Other sponsors include Kingsford, Kellogg's, Clorox, Hershey's, Glad Bags, and Reynolds Cups. I am so thankful the Atlanta Braves won the world championship. Uh, I've told you in the past, my mom probably was the biggest Braves fan of all time. I, I may have told you that years late in life when she got Alzheimer's, I learned to only play games for her. I would record games that the Braves won. And I would play them over and over again so she would be happy. Because if they lost, she was very unhappy in her stage. And so she would call me up and go, the Braves won again last night. Shipper hit two home runs. I'd go, I know. And the next day she'd call me and go, hey, the Braves won last night. Shipper hit two home runs. I'd say, I know. But my mom came to Atlanta as a 17-year-old, had a scrapbook. And she was had a schoolgirl crush on a third baseman for the Atlanta Crackers. Can you believe that? That was the name of our team, the Atlanta Crackers. I actually have a Crackers jersey hanging in my closet. Um, she had a schoolgirl crush on a third baseman named Eddie Matthews, who grew up to be a Hall of Famer and later came back to Atlanta with the Braves and played third base. Uh, my mom was uh, at the first Braves game ever in Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium. Uh, we lost to the Pittsburgh Pirates 3-1. Uh, to one. Willie Stargell hit a two-run homer in the 11th inning to beat Tony Cloninger. My mom was there with her Sunday school class the night Henry Aaron hit 715 uh, to break Babe Ruth's record. Uh, my mom was there because I gave my mom and dad tickets to game six of the World Series in 95 when David Justice hit a solo home run and Tom Glavin pitched a two-hitter and we won one to nothing to win the World Championship. And I took my mom to the All-Star game at Turner Field and reminded her that, hey, she had hit for the cycle. There was anything else that I could do. But... I'm just so thankful for the city of Atlanta. I do find it a little ironic that Major League Baseball decided because of what they determined were restrictive voting laws to take the All-Star game out of Atlanta this year and move it. Of course, they moved it to uh, to Denver in a state that has even more restrictive voting laws than Georgia, but that's besides the point. But there was nothing they could do to prevent us from having the World Series in Atlanta. And uh, so that sometimes there is a little poetic justice in the world. Um, I am thankful for my new grandson, Levin, and the time I get to spend with him. And thankful for the time I got to spend last month with my grandboys, Ollie and Henry, in England. 
I'm also thankful for my two other kids, my son-in-law, Rob Thorne, and my daughter-in-law, Celia. I'm thankful for all the great places I get to eat on the road with Rick. I'm thankful that Todd Blackledge has brought back his Taste of the Town feature and for new places that he's going to share with me that I get to try. I'm thankful for my friend Bill Battle, who's been on our show. His new book, The Master's Plan, is a must-read for both college football fans and young entrepreneurs. I'm thankful for our business at Fishbait Solutions and for our clients. I'm thankful for the two partners I have at Fishbait, Rob Temple and Ron Cook. You know, Rob joined us this year. We we knew we were going to have a good year. We didn't have a good year. We've had a great year, and I think a lot of it has been with Rob's leadership and his connectivity and his uh, temperament, his integrity, his talents. Um, we Ron and I are just so blessed to, to welcome Rob in as our partner. Um, I'm thankful for two old friends and colleagues who joined us this year, Kayleen Middleton and Bob Heisner. Kayleen Middleton was the first person that ever worked for me. Um, my first agency, I was in a temporary um, you know, place where you rented an office and you, you know, paid as you went with secretarial services and used to the conference room and, and one of those executive suites places. Kayleen was going to college at the time and working there full time, going to school full time, but came to me and said, I've got some capacity. I can work for you on the side. I can moonlight and help you. And she became the first person that ever worked for me and worked for me for nearly 20 years and then went away, did some other things and rejoined us this year. And I'm so thrilled to have her back. And then Bob Heisner and I worked together at Advantage International. Bob, who's been on our show in season one, is just a a brilliant strategist and just one of the, he's just one of the real fun people to be around because he's so bright and so thoughtful. And uh, I'm so thrilled that he's back on our team. I'm thankful for Brittany Schiller, We've had a freaking amazing year in college sports, largely because of her leadership. Uh, We've killed it this year in college sports, and I'm very, very proud of Brittany and all the things that she's done. I'm thankful that my friend Colleen Troy closed her very successful PR communications uh, firm, uh, Touchpoint Communications, to join us as both our head of communications and the lead on our food and tourism division. I'm thankful for my son, Ryan, who does a great job for us at Fishbait, producing television commercials and features, and more importantly, for being such a great new daddy. I'm thankful for our oldest client, Warner Ladder. Warner will be 100 years old in 2022. Here's something a lot of people don't know. The first postseason basketball tournament, the NIT, was also started in 1922 the year Warner was founded. And we're going to do some fun things this year with Warner to celebrate the 100th anniversary of their existence. I am thankful for all the coaches I know who have climbed the Warner ladder to either get to the Final Four in the regionals or better yet, when they've won the national championship. I'm thankful I got to know a lot of the old college basketball coaches who've now passed on. The greats like Judd Heathcote and Dean Smith, Lou Henson, Bill Foster, Gene Bartow, Bill Guthridge, and John Wooden, just to name a few. I'm thankful for Jim Phillips, the new commissioner of the Atlantic Coast Conference, and for the leadership he will be giving the conference. Um, The great 
film producer, um, John Dahl at ESPN, has a 10-part series coming out next year on the history of the ACC tournament. I grew up watching, you know, Thacker and Packer and um, the, the, the ACC tournament. Um, in the old days when there were only eight teams in the ACC, Friday of ACC tournament was just a great day because all eight teams played uh, two in the afternoon, two in the evening. Tough ticket, great memories. And, of course, in that era, only one team went to the NCAA. And I remember back in 1974, the number one ranked team in the country was NC State. The number two ranked team in the country was Maryland. In the ACC tournament, they played a triple overtime game. NC State won. Maryland went home. Maryland was not invited to the tournament because you had to win to get in. NC State went on to win the championship in 74. Maryland was so distraught that they did not accept an invitation to the NIT. They literally went home that year. Second-best team in the country, Tom McMillan, Lynn Elmore, John Lucas, great team, went home. Right after 74 is when the NCAA expanded and began to have at-large uh, players in that. So I'm really looking forward to the uh, history of the ACC tournament. I'm so thankful for Abe Madcore and Michael Smith, two great friends at the Sports Business Journal. SBJ is so good each week. Um, they seem to be the conscience of our industry. I'm very proud of them and very thankful for them. I'm thankful for Nashville. What a great city, great music, great clients. I love the time I get to spend there. But I'm also thankful for my hometown of Charleston and for the leadership of our CVB led by Helen Hill. We depend on tourism here in Charleston, and we continue to be selected annually as America's favorite city. Things don't happen by osmosis. It's great leadership, and Helen and her team do a fabulous job for Charleston. I'm thankful for Lewis Barbecue's brisket and their corn and green chili casserole. I'm thankful for breakfast at the OK Cafe in Atlanta. For lunches at Nikki's West in Birmingham, one of the best meat in three places in America. I'm thankful for Waffle House waitresses. I'm really thankful for the ones that still call me hun. Um, I'm thankful for all first responders. I'm thankful for all the police officers who serve our communities every day. My dad was a police officer, so I know a little bit about police officers. I'm thankful for the men and women serving our country. My dad also served in the Army in Korea. I'm thankful for customs officers who welcome me back to the United States, the greatest country in the world. I'm thankful for Christmas music stations, for preachers that can really preach, for the conversation at my barbershop on John's Island, for the smell of a wood fire on a brisk morning, for blue crabs I catch and eat off my dock. I'm thankful for my producer, Lindsay Collins, and how her little boys greet me every Monday morning. I'm thankful for the doctors and nurses who have served us so well during COVID-19. My partner, Ron Cook's son-in-law, Kent Stock, is the leading infectious disease doctor here in Charleston, and he's been terrific during this crisis, and I'm thankful for the regular, truthful updates he gave us uh, throughout the COVID crisis. I'm thankful to have gotten our business and our family through the crisis, and hopefully we can return to full Normal seat soon. And I'm thankful for all my guest anglers and for all of you who listen each week. But most importantly, I'm thankful for my wife, Charlotte, who does all of the things I don't know how to do or won't do and serves our family and our agency so very well. 
So let's bring in a very special guest angler today, my bride of 37 years, the most lovely Charlotte Jones. Well, good morning, darling. Welcome to the bridge. Good morning again. I think you said before, uh, when I asked you to do this, you said, is it because six other people have turned you down this week and I'm, <laughs> I'm the ultimate pinch hitter? Well, that's not true because this is our annual Thanksgiving, um, you know, show that we do. And, um, uh, I'm obviously very thankful for you and had penciled you in, but I do want to remind you that, uh, there was a, there was a first baseman for the New York Yankees named Wally Pipp. And uh, one day Wally Pipp said he didn't want to play that day. And he was hurt or tired or sick. And they substituted him there. Um, uh, and so um, they um, – and where am I going with this? So I've got to stop. Oh, you know, I know where I'm going with this. And so the person that uh, substituted for him was Lou Gehrig. And Lou Gehrig ended up playing, I think, another 1,000 games at first base. Wally Pipp never got his job back. So whoever else wow. I asked – whoever else, else I asked to be a guest, uh, they, they can never come on now. You, you, you're going to be able to top that. So, But I'm glad yeah, you're with I'm us today. Yeah, I'm thinking not. Yes, yes, yes. And <laughs> – and then again, you know, for a husband to let his wife have a live microphone uh, is a frightening thing. So I've, I've got to be really careful. I'm glad that we're going to be able to edit anything that you say badly about me uh, during this well, time. Well, how much time so, do we have? Because uh, I've made a deal with Lindsay. Uh, oh, yes. Okay. We have lots of time, I think. And I figured you already had made a deal with Lindsay, so it's good. So, you know, Charlotte, you grew up in a small town, um, but you were never a small town girl. Um, you know, you always knew there was something bigger and better out there. What, what made you want to get out in the world, um, at an early age? Well, my parents may, may disagree now that they're older and they need care, but my, my parents never encouraged us to be small town and not that small town's a bad thing because I actually had a really great experience growing up in a small town. And I had lots of opportunities that I may not have had in a bigger place. I had lots of leadership positions. But one day in my junior year of high school, I woke up and said, you know, I've done everything there is to do here and I want to do something else. So I talked to my parents about going away to boarding school. And I think they were pretty shocked that I wanted to do that. But I did. I just felt like that there was something different for me out there. So I remember coming home from actually the opera late one night, asleep in the back, and my parents were having a conversation they thought that I wasn't listening to about going me going to boarding school. And I heard them say, if we just let her go for the summer, she'll probably come back. And I don't know if that's the reason I stayed, but I did stay. I went to Darlington School in Rome, Georgia. I went for the summer. I stayed for my senior year of high school. I um, And that was a great experience. So, you know, that was um, when I was 17. I left the small town that had supported me, and, and I've really, you know, I've appreciated it, and I have great friends from there, but I never went back to live. And then you went to your mother's alma mater. You went to Agnes Scott, which was probably something you grew up seeing you would never do. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, so that is something which is a lesson, you know, early on, never say never. But um, I did go to Agnes Scott, and I think that I I went there because I knew it would make my mom happy. But the other part of that was that when I went to boarding school, I did not have a car. And I had a roommate who is um, still my dear, dear, dear friend, Virginia, and she did have a car and her parents trusted me to drive through cities more. And she decided that she wanted to go look at Agnes Scott in Atlanta. So we went to look, it was spring of our senior year. And we, um, my parents, my mom actually met us there and I uh, decided, okay, I'll just come here for, you know, a little bit and I'll figure out where I want to go because being away from, from home and not having a chance to visit colleges, even though we didn't do it then the way they do now with the big tours. Um, I just didn't have a chance to explore that part of it. So I thought I'll go to Agnes Scott. And um, as our friend and partner, Ron Cook says that um, there were coincidence is when God chooses to be anonymous. And, you know, from there, that definitely set the path for my life. Well, you still got great friends. One of the things I love is the the, the the college roommates and friends that you had there. Y'all are still friends, you know, years and years later, and that that's really I think kind of unique. Yeah, we 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 really are dear friends. We've been through the the best and the worst that life has given us so far, and I mean, I I love and appreciate them. And in fact, they will be coming to Charleston to celebrate our 60th birthday in June. So. Um, I can't believe we're 60 because sometimes I feel like we're still back there, but um, you were part of the end of that. So um, you know, and love them as well. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm always the guy, uh, you know, they, they, they let me come along. I'm driving Miss Daisy, you know, I'm, I'm the guy driving y'all around and I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that when they come visit next year, I'll be cooking too. So it's always uh, yes. a lot yeah. of fun and to you do know, that. <clears throat> You, you know top secret secrets, so. I do, none of which I'm going to reveal today on the That's on, a good on, idea. On, on the yeah, air. We all would appreciate that. You know, <laughs> we, we um, as you know, we had uh, Bill Battle on a few weeks back, and he's written this book called The Master's Plan. And, boy, when you reflect back on, on our lives, it, it's just, you, you know, you can't make this script up. Um, yeah. and I think about the, the, the way we met, you know, you were a, a psych major, um, and your daddy said, whoa, 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 whoa. what are you going to do for a living? Um, and, um, forced you to go back and get your teaching certificate. And that led you to be a student teacher at one of the schools where I was a teacher. Um, and we meet and, um, uh, and, um, the rest is kind of history from that kind of stand, standpoint, um. You know, I, I laughed uh, about you were at College Heights Elementary School, which was um, an all a black school in um, South Side of Decatur, and I think you had about twenty children that were all had you know some sort of learning disability or some kind of behavior issue. But you made them mind, uh, and I, I tell everybody. Somebody said, "When did you fall in love with Charlotte?" I said, "When I watched her make those kids behave." I was like, "Whoa." Uh, this this woman can teach. This woman can control things, and uh, we did that. And then, and then you know, after we got married, there's a great story. You know, I'm Coach Jones, and you were Miss Birch at the time. <laughs> and I think one of your 
one of your former students came up to you and said, uh, Miss Burns, you still married to Coach Jones? And you were like, yeah, I'm, I'm still married to that guy. So That was like a year later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I guess <laughs> they, 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 that didn't happen much in, in her life and something like that. Yeah. So, well, then we, um, we started our own business. Um, and, um, you know, I can remember leaving Conan Wolf and we went to close on our house. And I came back to the office and quit uh, yeah. to, to start our own business. Mm. And uh, the cowboy in me, unfortunately, somebody has to deal with the damage. Uh, what, what did you think about that at the time? Well, I guess I've thought more about it looking back. I'm not sure if it was, um, you know, there was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of fear, and looking back, probably a lot of stupidity that went into that. <laughs> um, we, you know, I, I, I look back at those days and think, what were we thinking? Um, but maybe it was a good thing that we really weren't thinking because, you know, then when you, you start that process, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other, and, and you don't have time to think. Um, but, you know, I, I always, I it was scary, but... I guess I never thought that we would fail. And because every time we did, it seemed like we were not doing well. We would figure out something else. And I, I basically knew you were the hardest worker around. So whatever it was, you would figure it out. We would do it together and we would go to the next thing. So I really didn't feel like we were going to be stuck in, you know, at ground zero forever and ever. But looking back, I really am thinking, what were we thinking? <laughs> yeah, I, I think if if we had known how hard it was going to be, yeah, we yeah. would have never done it. If, mm-hmm. if if we could have looked over the hill and seen all of the the obstacles that that you have as an entrepreneur, we would have said, hey, we're not doing this. But you know, yeah. it's, I think sometimes being naive and being a little stupid is probably a good thing uh, to do that. But we're going through a unique period in America right now. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm thankful for being an American. I'm thankful for the opportunities we've had. But there's a lot of young people right now that believe that the, the, the what we call the American dream is unreachable for them. Um, I, I'm seeing a, a year where people are rejecting work uh, in mm-hmm. record numbers. And I, and I think they're rejecting work because they are saying to themselves, so what? Does it really matter? Is it getting me to the place that I had hoped to be? Talk a little bit about that. You know, do you think the American dream, because we've lived the American dream. This is no question about it. Do you think it's over? I don't think it's over. I think one of the problems with today is that people are, are so used to, you know, immediate what am I trying to say? Gratification, immediate yeah. gratification, yeah. yeah. Immediate gratification. I mean, everything is immediate. I mean, we don't wait for the mail to come, and that sounds really archaic now. But, I mean, everything's immediate. And when you look back, there was nothing immediate about the process of starting your own business. I mean, I would say we had a leg up in that you're talking about being thankful today. I mean, I'm thankful for both of our families. I mean, we, we were so blessed to have parents who, you know, reared us with values and, and work ethics. And, you know, in that way we did have the leg up and, you know, emotional support, but, 
you know, on the other hand, I mean, there's so many people that don't have that, but we were able to use that, I think, to help us move on to the next step and to the next step and the next step. And I think now that, you know, not for everybody because there are younger people out there being successful, but it's just too hard and people don't want to do hard things. And, um, you know, some people get lucky and it's, it's more immediate, but, you know, there was nothing, there was nothing immediate about our process because, you know, you reinvented yourself several times and that's really hard to do, to look and change with the times. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's over. And I think people who are willing to put in the work and are willing to, to do what you did is to be able to, to look and see and change and navigate the process. I think it's, it's definitely still there for them. Well, you know, I'm, I'm such a John Maxwell fan. And one of his most important statements, he says, is that, you know, everything's uphill every day. Everything's mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And I, I look back and think about our first agency <laughs> and, and, and the way we paid for that agency was you kept children in our home. You had an in-home daycare and, uh, that was actually the second one. Yeah, it was the second agency. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. And, um, and so, you, you know, people, people say, well, it's hard. Yeah. Well, that was hard. I mean, how many, how many kids did you potty train? I think it was about mm-hmm. six. Um, and I, I also remember during that era, there were a lot of women that would drop their children off at our door on Monday morning. And they kind of would look down on you like, oh, I'm going off to the professional world and you're here as a domestic taking care of my kids. And I, I, I saw that, but realized what a great job you did, not only with, with their children, but with ours and, and the ability to do that. But, you know, the, the idea of, of us being an overnight success is, is kind of true, but it was a long night. Uh, it was a really mm-hmm. long, 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 long night. And one of the consequences of, of climbing the ladder we moved 14 times. Yeah. 14 times. So, and, and we like to say that every move is like a fire. Um, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it, it's, it's just kind of crazy from that standpoint. But we moved and we're a lot of places. Where, of all the places that we live, what was your favorite? Well, I guess that um, I never wanted to go to any of them, but I'm glad <laughs> I've been to all of them. Um, and I love to live yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you know we could spend a lot more time on just that part but um, you probably don't want to hear it again but I th- I mean I loved going to England I love that experience it was really hard but I love going I, I love doing that um, I love knowing that we would be there and, and we would be able to come home I mean it makes you appreciate you know things about that country things about your own country um, but but yeah, three moves equals a fire, and you know, fourteen we were burned up by the time that was over. <laughs> well, so. I'll tell two funny stories about England. One, you know, we had been there, I think, about a week, and you know, obviously, you drive on the wrong side of the road. They say they say it's the right side of the road, but it's not. It's the wrong side of the road. Um, and I remember you dropping me off at Heathrow Airport having never been to Heathrow Airport, having no idea how to get home. And I had a Well, you drove us there, and yes. <laughs> yes, and then I just get out of the car at the airport and go, see ya. And, yeah. uh, and somehow you navigated that home. But my favorite story is I had a green Volvo sedan, and I was a terrible driver. I was constantly knocking off the side mirror 
um, mm-hmm. you know, because they drive on the wrong side of the road and I couldn't quite figure it out. So I'm constantly hitting mailboxes or something, somebody else's car. I think I lost about a dozen mirrors during that period. And you would take them always into the to the shop and they would go, of course, Mrs. Jones, it's your husband again. You're like, damn it, it is him again. Yes. I, don't, I don't do this. He does this. But you were, yep. yeah, I never had to face the, uh, the uh, car mechanic uh, because you did all that. Well, to add to that, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember my parents were there and we were moving back. And we always like to maximize the time. So I can't even remember where we were visiting um, as after we left there. The truck the truck was there loading and you were off somewhere else in Europe. And my parents and Ryan and I met you at the airport as we were flying somewhere to visit before we came move, made the move back to America while our things were coming back. And you handed me a gift. Do you remember what that gift was? I do not. It was a book that had come out that was very popular at the time, and it was Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And that was there was a lot of small stuff that I was sweating that wasn't really small at the time. So, you know, we're lucky that we're both still here together. Yeah, I was going to say, and the, the next part of that story was in, in your honor. That's when yes. she shot me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, obviously <laughs> that was not the gift that you were looking for. You were looking for pearls, and I was trying to give you pearls of wisdom, and uh, obviously yeah. that didn't work out too well. So uh, we, 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 we uh, I guess that's why I, uh, I, for, I, I forgot that story. You know, my mom would always say about the three boys, she would say that I never remembered anything bad, Mike never remembered anything good, and Steve never remembered anything at all. Um, and, but, yeah. but I think I do uh, eliminate some of those bad things. So obviously I, I forgot not giving you that wonderful book that was going to help you through those trying times. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I better not spend <laughs> that anymore. I'm, I'm glad that we are doing this uh, uh, remotely today so you can't slap me. Uh, so that's, that's, that's a good thing. Well, we've had a lot of twists and turns. 20 years ago, we moved into our home uh, on Wadmala and I promptly got fired. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, here I built an agency, I'm the CEO and I got, we sold it and I got fired and we started fish bait. Um, and, uh, so we've had fish bait. We'll, we'll celebrate our 19th anniversary in, uh, in February. Uh, it's turned out to be, you know, one of the best things we ever did. And we did this one together. Uh, this was the agency that we built together. So talk a little bit about, about fish bait and your job at fish bait and what you do. Well, fish bait has been a blessing. I couldn't have said that at the time when we, you know, built our new house and took two weeks off to move into it. And we, they promptly, the, they promptly fired you from the job that was basically going to be kind of your last one. And I think at the time you were going to go back to teaching middle school boys um, because that's what you're good at and you loved. But, um, you know, we didn't, that opportunity didn't come through. Um And fish bait was a slow process because after being in a big agency with a lot of people, you decided that you were by yourself. And speaking of being thankful, um, our friend Jim Host um, invited us to visit Pat and him 
at their beach place in Florida after you were fired to figure out what we were going to do next. And so um, those are people who definitely take lemons and, and turn them into lemonade. They live with joy intentionally. And I remember going there and thinking, okay, I mean, these people are a good example. Um, and they've certainly helped us through the years. So we came back and and did, you, we were by yourself for a, a year or two years, Um I can't remember before Brittany came on and uh, you know, it's been a, a, it's been a slow build. We've, you know, four steps forward two back a little bit, but it really has been a blessing. Um, we've built it with people that um, we, we've known and loved. We've, you know, built it with a, a, the, the fabric of having, you know, people who care about each other, who, um, you know, who are, are like family, the family that we choose. And some of them are our family. <laughs> uh, but but it, it's been a process that has been interesting to look back and see the evolution of it. Um, and it's been a joy, really. So what do you do? What's your day-to-day look like at Fishbrook? Well, I do lots of paperwork. I do payroll. I handle the benefits for our team. I do billing and activation insurance requirements and certificates. I handle the email platforms and the accounts. I handle onboarding of new people and helping older people. And whatever else comes my way, including maybe the most challenging one sometimes is managing you. You know, uh, uh, we we can eliminate that. Uh, we can we we can edit that part out. But but <laughs> but I was thinking as you went through all the things you do, I was thinking, God, you do all the crummy stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I better give you a gift better than a book. Uh, uh, going yeah, I'd forward. like to have that. Yeah, yeah, I would like to have that. That's so the deal. A public yeah. documentation of that. <laughs> you know, we've been we have been blessed over the years to because we're in the events business to go to a lot of amazing events. What what was the favorite event that that we've been to that that you enjoyed the most? Well, I still think that my favorite event is the Saturday of the Final Four. Um, when everybody's excited, there are four teams. It's a bit more intimate. It's hard to say that a dome stadium in that setting now is intimate, but it's more intimate. It's exciting. Everybody thinks they can win. Um, and so I just love that. And we've been so fortunate to go to so many things and to that one, um, you know, so many times. But the most special event that I've ever been to was one that we weren't planning to go to. It, well, I believe it was 1994, wasn't it? It was the the culmination of the World Cup soccer's event, and we wound up going to Dodger Stadium and having really nice seats because of a mix-up with our clients' um, guest tickets. And they didn't have enough for the people that they really meant to sit there. And so they offered them to us. And we wound up on Dodger Field for that celebration with about two rows from the three tenors. You know, that was was interesting. You're such a great sports fan. Number one, we're in the outfield at Dodger Stadium. It's the night before the World Cup Finals that we're going to be at the Rose Bowl. And 
And you, the first thing you said to me was, you know, Brett Butler plays center field right here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so not many women knew that, which was kind of cool. And, yeah. and that's a great story. MasterCard was our client. And, and, and what happened was they had all their global boards there. And so they had mm-hmm. all these tickets. And they had tickets that were $500 a piece for the tickets for the three tenors. But that they was had, a lot. But they had two <laughs> tickets that were $1,000 tickets. Yeah. And they couldn't show any favoritism to anybody that was their guest. So they came to me and said, will you and Charlotte sit in the $1,000 tickets? So we literally did sit on row three with the three tenors. And if you remember, we sat next to Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maurice. I Schreiber. do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I do. Yeah. It was surreal on top of everything else. Yeah. So, so that, that was a, that was a lot of fun. Well, we've been really blessed. I mean, we've been to Wimbledon, we've been to the masters, we've been to, you know, countless championship games. We've been to, you know, we, we spent Ryan's, um, your pregnancy with Ryan in his first year on the PGA tour at tour mm-hmm. stops every week. Um, We've been to the um, Verbier to the International Music Festival that there, was really cool. which was a great yeah. event. You know, we've been to race car, uh, you know, events. We've been to With uh, live bowl games. Yeah, we yeah we've, we we've we've booked camels for a camel GT race and had disc jockeys ride real camels. I mean, we've done we've done a lot of crazy stuff. Um, now you, you you're going to turn sixty in February. Where where we're going to go? Yikes! I can't believe I'm going to be sixty. Um, we're going to Costa Rica. And we're going to Costa Rica for what reason? Because I like Saint Somewheres. <laughs> Especially and in not February. Saint Louis. That's right. <laughs> and <it's> February. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I tell everybody February comes around. Charlotte wants to go to Saint Somewhere. When we were in England a few weeks back. And it got dark. Remember, it, it yeah. gets dark. So, people forget this. London is further north than Montreal. Um, it's way north. And so it gets dark. And I remember the years we were there, you were like, get me out of here. And and so for a couple of Februarys, we we went off to the Keys, to the Chica Lodge. And I, I think... Well, that's that, when that, we started the St. Somewhere tradition. Exactly. And we've got to keep yeah. that tradition, uh, staying out of St. Paul or St. Louis uh, during yeah. during February. So uh, this is our thankful, um, you know, show that uh, in honor of Furman Bisher. What, what are you most thankful for? Gosh, how much time do we have? Um, well... I'm thankful for so much, really. I mean, we've been fortunate, so blessed. Um, I'm very thankful for our healthy, happy, new, adorable grandson, Levin. That was spoken like a real grandparent, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned earlier about our parents. I'm thankful that we were reared with parents with values um, that, you know, took the time to parent us. Um uh, years ago, I learned to be thankful for good days and 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 happy days, and I tried to see the lesson in the not so good days. And so I look back and see how can I be thankful for those. Um, I'm thankful for the looking back for the perspective that COVID gave us. Um, you know, I mentioned Ron Cook before, but he he taught you his process of thinking and thanking, and I think it gave us a, a pause and a time to to think and and be thankful for and kind of realign and it gave us a chance to look and just really see things and to hear and appreciate them i'm thankful for our kids and 
and their families. And I'm thankful for our grandchildren in England, Ollie and Henry. I'm thankful for our nieces and nephews, our siblings. Um, and I'm thankful for live sports coming back. I mean, it, it may sound a little based, but it is our business, but it's also the background of our lives. I remember when we lived in England, we didn't have football and, and or really sports that we watched as the background of our lives. And that's when I started watching Notre Dame football because it was um, available on Sky TV. Um, I'm kind of over that now, but I did, I did enjoy um, Notre Dame football then. Um, I'm thankful for the for our friends and praying friends and friends that really, um, you know, that love us and our families. Um, I'm thankful for our fish bait family and how it's evolved and how we've just grown and how we care about each other and how we really, you know, try to have a, a caring family-based business. And that's not just the family that works for us, but the, our, our team is our family. And I'm thankful for you, honey. I mean, you, none of this would have been possible without you. And, and, you know, you, you've asked me before, do you, would you ever have really thought what was going to happen, you know, when we started this adventure? And I don't think anybody ever would have, but I mean, I look back and I mean, it's been pretty amazing. And without your vision and your leadership and your love for all of us, none of that would have happened. Well, we're definitely not going to edit that part out uh, today. We're, go- we're going to leave that part of that there. But, honey, I'm also thankful for you. I like to tell people that you're really the ballast uh, on this ship of my life every day. Uh, and I'm grateful for that. So thanks for being with, uh, with me today from the bridge. All right. It's been fun. Here's the view from the soapbox this Thanksgiving week. There's lots of folks out there that need our help. They may need a hand up. They may need a second chance. They may need food or money or a ride somewhere. What if everyone listening today would just do one thing for someone in need this week? It would make their week, and then it would also make your week. I've told you in the past, I'm a Methodist. I told you about the great movie scene in the movie 42, where uh, Jackie Robinson turns to uh, Branch Rickey, played by uh, Harrison Ford, and says, why me, Mr. Rickey? And Harrison Ford, as Branch Rickey laughs and says, uh, Jackie, uh, I'm a Methodist, you're a Methodist, God's a Methodist. <laughs> well, I am a Methodist. Uh, and the founder of the Methodist denomination, John Wesley, once said, probably so eloquently and succinctly what we all should do. He says, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. I like that. How about you? Let's close this Thanksgiving show with a great place to eat on the road with Rick uh, several years ago, ooh, too many years ago, my daughter Jennifer was a freshman at NYU, and our son Ryan was turning nine, and so he's turning 33 
So uh, what's this? 23 years ago, we're in New York for Thanksgiving weekend and took Charlotte's parents and we went to the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and really had a good time. But we needed a place to eat for Thanksgiving Day. We found a great place called the White Horse Tavern. The White Horse Tavern is down in the financial district. It was opened as the Wooden Horse Tavern in 1641. Okay. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? It was reborn in 1933 after Prohibition ended as a pub. It's been owned ever since 1976 by the Gleason family. We ate a very special Thanksgiving lunch there in 1998. It was a very special occasion and one that I treasure to this day. So next time you're in New York, check out the White Horse Tavern down in the Financial District on the road with Rick. While we were in England, I watched a terrific TV show on England's greatest ships. One featured ship was the Mayflower, the ship that left Plymouth, England, ultimately for Plymouth, Massachusetts. The pilgrims were looking for a chance to worship God as they pleased, and so they climbed aboard that very small ship and headed to America. They unfortunately landed late in the fall and were forced to spend their first winter actually on the ship, still anchored off the coastline. If it were not for the Native Americans, they would have all perished. But someone did help them. The Native Americans showed them how to hunt for game, how to grow corn, and how to survive. We all know the story that came out of that, the first Thanksgiving celebration between the pilgrims and the Native Americans. It's simply a lesson in humanity. Let's look to be more humane this week and every week. Happy Thanksgiving from the bridge. me to